Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Welcome, Navy sports fans, and this is the Sing Second Sports Weekend Report. We will review varsity athletics competitions for the various Olympic sports, and then we'll take a break and we'll come back with the Navy football postgame report wrapping up the Temple game. I'm joined by Chris Rebello, our producer, who today is going to also become commentator. Schofield, our normal host, is on a uh, anniversary holiday with his wife in Hawaii he should have arrived. Uh, he, well, he's probably there by now. Don't you think Chris, he left around I, eight. I think there's somewhere over the Pacific actually wags as we're taping. John and I've been texting back and forth. I think he's still on the plane. Right. Well, I knew he had to go to LA. Well, yeah. we wish them uh, an enjoyable time in Hawaii. I wish I could join you. I'm curious. Uh, did your Navy assignments ever happen to take you to Hawaii, Chris? Um, they, not me, uh, John went to Hawaii quite a bit cause he was a San Diego sailor. So he was in and out of Hawaii. My brother lived in Hawaii for a year and a half, but, uh, I only visited Hawaii like for a couple days here and there normally like on the way to Japan. So, uh, I'm, I'm quite envious of John and uh, Susan this week, but well-deserved. I hope to get to Hawaii someday. Well, let's start off with the best news of the weekend and it was cross country. Sam Keeney and Emily Butin led the way as Navy men's and women's cross country swept the Patriot League championships for the second straight season. Butin was the individual champion, and the Navy women placed nine runners in the top 20 and posting a low score of 38. That was 19 points better than runner-up Army. Uh, Butin, a junior from Chicopee, Massachusetts, completed the 6K course at Bucknell University with a time of 20 minutes and 36.8 seconds. Ellie Abraham was Navy's second finisher, placing seventh. And then Sophie Compton, Elizabeth Sullivan, and Mia Claire Kiesel placed ninth, tenth, and eleventh, respectively. Uh, Obviously, Booten was named the Patriot League Runner of the Year, and uh, Coach Kim Lunas was the Coach of the Year, well-deserved. And then on the men's side, Keeney had a uh, back-and-forth battle with Army's Garrett Goh. They uh, traded the top spot, but ultimately Goh pulled away. Bikini finished second, just uh, eight seconds behind. So that runner-up result individually led the Navy men, who posted a low score of 32 points, and that was 18 better than Army. Uh, Alex Rizzo and Brett Brady followed close behind. Uh, Keeney placing third and fourth, respectively. Garrison Clark, who is a local kid. But Keeney and Clark are both from our area here, Anne Arundel County. Keeney's South River High grad, and Garrison Clark's uh, from Smyrna Park High. Always good to see the Navy recruiting locally. Uh, so a great weekend for men's and women's cross country. And now they'll have two weeks to prepare for the NCAA Mid-Atlantic Regional Meet. That's being held at Penn State on Friday, November 11th. But, you know, sweeping, that's two years in a row that the men and women have swept. Pretty impressive, eh, Chris? Absolutely. And what's even more impressive than both teams winning is, I mean, they, they won by quite a bit. I mean, like you said, I mean, uh, 18 points and then the women won by even more than that. 
Uh, they were 38 and the closest uh, army was 57 for them. So, uh, you know, kudos to uh, both of those teams and good luck uh, in the uh, NCAAs. Now we'll move on to a little bad news, unfortunately. And this was this afternoon, a most recent result of the weekend. Navy women's so- soccer saw its 2022 campaign come to an end in the quarterfinals of the Patriot League tournament. Uh, Navy, the fifth seed, lost to Lehigh, the fourth seed, 4 nothing. Uh, you know, Coach Karen Gabera said that they needed to, Navy needed to do the job on set pieces, and they didn't. They had seven corners and didn't really get anything from them. And, he, and she said that they needed to contain Corinne Light and Ryle Shuey. Well, guess what? Uh, Shuey had a hell of a day. She scored two goals. Light had a goal. So they did not <laughs> reach their goals. The, the, the game plan did not go as expected. And just Navy was dominating the statistics here, Chris. Lehigh outshot Navy 17 to 10. But the first half, Lehigh put 13 shots on cage. Um, Maddie Gallagher did not have one of her finest days. She made three saves in the first half, none in the second. It should be noted, Lehigh scored twice in the first half, twice in the second. Uh, Actually, I had it wrong on the corner kicks, Chris. It was eight corner kicks. So Navy had an 8-2 advantage on corners and just could not take advantage of it. You watched this game remotely. Um, Navy just did not look good. I mean, we've known all along that the offense has struggled, and then today the defense kind of got run over as well. What did, what did you see when watching yeah. this one? So I, you know, we watched it this afternoon at our house. I watched it with my wife and my daughter, both uh, soccer players. And we had one TV, we had Navy uh, Lehigh on the other TV. We had uh, the Cowboys bears on. Thankfully the Cowboys did better than uh, the women's soccer team did, but we just were not good in the midfield, to be quite honest with you, Wags. Um, I mean, we um, we couldn't really get a run going. I mean, when, when we did, we uh, we sort of played a little bit of dump and chase. Like you said, we didn't really get anything done on the set pieces, but they, they got through, Lehigh got through our midfield quite a bit. So I really felt like our defense was always under pressure. Uh, late in the game, um, we kind of turned it on a little bit. I mean, I thought we were going to get a goal or two at the very end as, uh, you know, the pace and the tempo was picked up as, as I think the girls realized that their season was slipping away. Um, but I just never felt like we were, uh, were in the game. Um, it, it, it's sad. I mean, we kept waiting for this team to kind of wake up and, and play to their potential. And I'm just not sure that they did. Um, I'm a huge Navy women's soccer fan as is John and uh we, we were sad to see this happen but you know this is what happens and so uh you know they bring back a lot of folks uh next year and so hopefully they'll uh you know take some lessons learned and uh you know be ready to compete uh in the 23 season so now moving on to men's soccer men uh navy men's soccer uh played Loyola to a 1-1 draw and Loyola's the defending Patriot League champion but now they're not having as good a season this this year it was a senior day at Glen Warner soccer facility. Um, neither team was able to get uh, on the board until there were nine minutes remaining. Jason Ayama scored for Navy to put Navy ahead, and that uh, was not much time required for Navy to kind of salt away the game and to come away with the victory. But lo and behold, uh, you know, Loyola was able to get the equalizer late. Um, so 1-1 draw and here's the situation Chris as far as the Patriot League tournament Navy is squarely on the bubble Navy is currently holds the sixth seed and Navy's record in the tour within 
Patriot League is two, one, and five. So that five ties. Yeah. Bob- I mean, that's just amazing. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, that's got to be some sort of record, right? I mean, we should ask Scott uh, Strassmeyer. I mean, five ties in, um, in the league, and I think it's yeah. eight ties overall, right? I mean, I, I think, you know, when you look outside the league, I, I've never heard of that. Um, but yeah, le- like you said, I mean, they could finish no higher than third. Um, and if they win, they're in, right? I mean, uh, it, so, I mean, that's the thing. When they play um, on Wednesday against American, if they win, they're in. Um, so hopefully they can get that win. Right. Well, they can, as you mentioned, they can finish no higher than third. Uh, Navy needs a win to assure itself of playing in the Patriot League tournament. A loss or tie could put them in danger of missing, depending on how tiebreakers fall. So men's soccer is uh, in a precarious position in the air. Like you said, it's win and get in. It's that simple. Uh, that's, that's the story. Navy Volleyball split a pair of Patriot League matches over the weekend. On Friday night, Maggie Bodman totaled 11 kills and a 550% hitting percentage as Navy won in three sets over American up at Bender Arena in D.C. Unfortunately, uh, Navy came back and uh, lost at Loyola in four sets, and it was a terrible hitting percentage for Navy, one three nine for the match. Uh, that's that's pretty troublesome. Um, there is also, but uh, fortunately, volleyball is in a little bit better position, Patriot League tournament wise. We got right now Colgate is the top seed in at twelve and one. Army is close behind at eleven two. Navy is firmly in three seed. Nine and four. Navy has clinched a spot in the Patriot League tournament and a top four seed, which would mean it would likely host a quarterfinal. However, I would email back and forth with Navy Sports Information Director Scott Strassmeyer, and there's some tiebreakers in effect, which could prevent Navy from getting the top four seed because Loyola is right behind at eight and five. Uh, but Loyola won five sets to four for Navy over the course of the season as the team split. Uh, but then, you know, the next team is Lafayette at four and nine behind the top six teams in the league. So Navy is in solid position. Uh, I, I, it's between Navy and Loyola for a th- the three seed. Um, and I, I really don't. Bucknell's at five and eight. So I don't think Navy can drop to five. Um, so good. Good news for Navy volleyball in pretty good position at this point. Yeah, they are. Uh, gosh, I really want them to. Uh... I want them to win a few games and I would love for them to be able to beat army. Um, I mean, I know that Paco said after their last loss to army that he's, you know, worried that, or he was worried at the time that army was a better team, but I mean, we're Oh, and two against army would love to face them in the Patriot league tournament and get that win. Um, you, you know, I mean, I'd love for us to win the whole thing, but if we can't win the whole thing, gosh, I'd really love to beat Army. Uh, and I mean, I you know we'll have to see when it's all when it all shakes out whether you know how that would would work. But I guess that's what I'm hanging my hat on is yup, it's great that they're in and and yup, maybe they have a chance to beat Army before the season's over. Well, Chris, it was mixed results for water polo as well on Friday night. Water polo beat Johns Hopkins 15-11. Uh, really nice performance. Uh, Chris Kim led the charge with three goals. That's his second hat trick of the season. Jake Altmeyer, Travis Burzens, and Michael Heller all had two scores. So a nice win there. But then uh, Navy lost on Saturday 
to number 19, George Washington, 12-11 in OT. So that was a bit disappointing. Um, Navy is now 11-13 and 13 overall and 6-7 and seven within the league. That's the Mid-Atlantic Water Polo Conference. So uh, mixed results for water polo just as it was for volleyball. Yeah, I mean, uh, they have got to figure a way to win those games in overtime. That, that's what's disappointing. Um, you, you know, they they have not been as consistent in OT um, as we would like them to be. In fact, I mean, they there could easily be they could be above five hundred if they would if a couple of those games had gone a, a different way. So, um, you know, they'll they'll keep chugging along. But uh, you, you know, hopefully, when all said and done, um, that they, they can finish uh, on a on a positive note. So we have two more results to include in the Varsity Sports Weekend Report. Tailback Alex Tutter rushed for 123 yards and two touchdowns as sprint football shut out Alderson Broadus in dominating fashion, 41-0. Down lineman Angelo Lobby led an overpowering defensive effort as the Midge clinched a spot in the Collegiate Sprint Football League Championship game. And then lastly, a success again for men's rugby. It's rugby, a yeah. dominating machine, Chris. Uh, yeah, ben great. Hall and I, I'm just going to start calling him Ratu because I can't. <laughs> I, I, I'll give it a try. Ratu Osea Melabua. Uh, <laughs> I know I butchered that, Chris. Um, we're just going to call him Ratu. He, he's the one name like all oh, the Brazilians. Uh, <laughs> but they Ben and Ratu both totaled ten points each as men's rugby routed Kutztown forty-six to sixteen and remains unbeaten at nine zero. Just uh, unstoppable. And it's everything. Everybody gets involved. I mean, we talked a lot about Lewis Gray, but I mean, there's so many different players contributing, Chris. Yeah, I mean, this is a great team. It's fun to watch. We've talked about it each and every uh, weekend. And as we go into the weekend, um, they are really exciting. Uh, I look forward to uh, hopefully being in Annapolis one or two more times in, in order to see them uh, fin- finish up. But uh, what, what a great first uh, varsity season for these guys. Well, we're going to go to a break, and when we return, it will be the Navy football post-game report with myself, Keenan Reynolds, and Eric Catani. Stand by, and we'll be back. All right, Sing Second fans, the home football season is all but over. We've got one game left at a neutral site in Baltimore, as we've been talking about. But that means we are hours away from basketball kicking off. It's not too late for you to get your men's and women's basketball season tickets. Both teams had an amazing 21 and 22, and they look to carry that momentum over to the 22-23 season. So get on over to NavySports.com or call 1-800-US4-NAVY and get your basketball season tickets today. And while you're on NavySports.com, be sure to get your Veterans Classic tickets. Navy brings in Houston, Princeton, and St. Joe's. This has become one of the coolest events in college basketball. So again, get those season tickets, get those Veterans Classic tickets, get on over to NavySports.com or call 1-800-US-4-NAVY. Now back to the pod. Okay, it's time for the Navy post-game report, and I'm joined by Keenan Reynolds and Eric Catani, former Navy greats who both played in the NFL. And, fellas, I guess a win is a win is a win, but it wasn't what I was hoping for. I wanted to see all three phases on point. I wanted the offense to rush for 400 yards and really gain some confidence. On Unfortunately, that did not happen, and we have some other bad news. Starting quarterback Ty Lavatai went down late in the first quarter and it was so obvious he, you know, that, that turf, 
there's been some issues with the turf and injuries and uh, he, he, his cleat got caught and he, he, you could see that it was, it was not good. He went down, he was in terrible pain and coach Nia Matalolo reported during his post-game presser, it was season ending. So that's it for Ty um, and his junior season. And the uh, Navy's now going to turn to Xavier Arline and uh, it just, Saturday was not a good performance for the Navy offense. The Navy did not complete a single pass. Uh, Ty was 0 for 1 and Xavier was 0 for 1. So you're not going to complete many passes when you only throw two of them. Um, and the rushing game really, to my mind, was not all that impressive. 224 yards, average 3.2 yards per carry. Um, it was a real struggle. And, you know, let's Give credit where credit is due. Temples, the metrics show the Temples defense was the strength of their team. If you took away a blowout 77 loss to Central Florida and one other game that got out of hand, the, the Temple defense has been fairly solid. So I'll give credit where credit's due. But to me, what I saw was just poor offense. And I guess let's start with Keenan because uh, Xavier Arline is now the future. He is the present and the future. Uh, he's going to be starting the rest of the way um, beginning next week at Cincinnati, and that's going to be a big ask. But to his credit, Xavier did a very nice uh, – he made a great fake to the fullback. The entire Temple front defensive front tackled the fullback and sucked in, and he, he took it out of there and went out the back door and cut up and made a beautiful 23-yard run in overtime for the touchdown. And then, uh, and then on Temple's possession in overtime – it was another unlikely hero, a young Deshaun Peel, a cornerback who hadn't even played in the previous three or four games. Uh, but he got in there because Elias Larry, the starting corner, went down and Peel had a great sack off a of blitz. And then he came up with an interception in the end zone to end the game. So it was a victory. Navy is eight, five and 500 in the American Athletic Conference, now three and five overall. But uh, Keenan, why don't you talk about Xavier Arline? What did you see in the limited action he had on Saturday? And, you know, how does this change the offense? I will tell you this. Kat, Coach Yamatololo said in his postgame presser, we will run more triple option plays with Xavier. Yeah, first off, uh, just want to definitely uh, send thoughts and prayers to Ty. Um, you know, obviously devastating injury, uh, non-contact. So it's like um, – really frustrating um could kind of tell when he got hurt it kind of deflated the offense um as we saw for a good chunk of the game um they, they were able to score that drive but i mean i think it just kind of when you see something like that happen to your starter uh it, it's definitely deflating so uh you know prayers for him to have a speedy recovery get back out there his senior year and and get back to get back to balling but uh yeah like you said i mean now that that that's happened. The team has to move forward with 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 Xavier, and um, you know, obviously, it's tough. It's a tough situation for a backup to come in, not really expecting to play, even though they tell you to always be ready, especially as a backup quarterback in Navy. Um, you never know; you're always one play play away. And uh, he came in, and it wasn't pretty. It was very ugly, but it was a win. And I can't. I can complain about, you know, how I would have liked it to look, but at the end of the day, the end result was what we wanted. Do I think that's sustainable? No, we're going to have to be able to throw the ball. We, it's well known that that is something that is part of Ty's, uh, excuse me, Xavier's strengths. So I think the question now is like, okay, 
how do we, you know, keep that that second that thread of of, of passing uh, while also playing to the strengths of Xavier? Uh, a lot of all the passes that he dropped back on, like he just didn't look comfortable in the pocket. Guys could have been covered, but he just didn't look that comfortable or like he wanted to pull the trigger. So I think going forward, he's definitely going to have to be uh, be you know kind of let it, let that thing fly and and he's not gonna be able to just run we're not gonna be able to run the ball 60 times a game uh for some of these teams that are coming up we're gonna have to be able to throw and hit play action well navy went uh navy did not gain a first down on 10 of 15 possessions so that's a lot of three and outs and then there was also a four and out thrown in there when they went for it on fourth down um eric i've got an interesting statistic for you now uh keenan was mentioning that navy scored on the series in which Tie went down. I believe that was after the interception by Elias Larry it was nice. He made a nice play on the ball and picked it off. And that's the thing. But really, to me, what killed Navy is early on, Navy lived in Temple territory. Uh, Temple went three and out on the first possession. It was a poor punt, and Navy took over in Temple territory, got all the way down to the six yard line, couldn't punch it in, field goal. Then Elias Larry had an interception that got him set up at 25. Now that did result on the touchdown. Daba Fafana made a terrific run, really showed some jukeability, made two defenders miss on a 15-yard touchdown rally. But then uh, the next up was a muffed uh, punt return, and Navy recovered. And then that also was, you know, Navy was could not punch it in and, and had to settle for, for a field goal. So Navy could have easily been up 21 nothing. They were given great opportunities to score in set up deep in Temple territory and did not finish on two. And it was only 13 nothing. But the stat I was going to give you, Eric, Daba Fafana is the first Navy fullback in the triple option era to have four consecutive games of 20 carries or more. And to my mind, that speaks to not the correct balance between the various elements of the option. We already mentioned not a lot of passing attempts, two passing attempts. And, you know, the slots and the quarterback keeper are probably, you know, there needs to be a little bit better balance in my view. What is your thought? I mean, there's been a lot of great fullbacks at Navy, yourself included, who didn't have four straight games with 20 carries or more. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, first, uh, I feel bad for Ty, um, non-contact injury. That's, it's always tough. Um, you know, being getting injured, you know, anytime it's just tough, tough mentally, tough for the team, tougher, you know, the rebound. Um, so hopefully he recovers well. And with the, the stat for four games straight with 20 carries, um, you know, kind of thinking back of the podcast we have, it's like, oh, you know, we need to change our offense up. Hey, we need to pass more. Hey, we need to, you know, do this more. We need to you know, get rid of that triple option. If I'm the defense coordinator, I have no idea when Navy's going to show up the next week. Um, it's just tough all around. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, Xavier show up, um, see his speed, see, his, see what he can do for the, the offense, maybe change himself up. And Coach Nemo did say in the post-game post, post game conference that, hey, we were, might run the option more. But, I, you know, I, 20 carries in four straight games, that's a that's a that's an interesting fact um, to say that, hey, the triple option might not be, you know, utilized the best you know, over the past, you know, six games. Um, but they didn't cover the spread, Chris. Um, what do you think about that? I, I, I was, you know, shocked at the 13 and a half points. A bunch of people were as well. And, you know, they didn't cover it. And also, did they cover the under? Or, or what was that, Chris? 
I have to look up the under. I, I did not think they were going to cover two touchdowns. I have to be honest. I thought they would win, but um, I thought 14 points was a, was a lot. It, it kind of finished up the way I thought it might um, just given the way uh, the offense, uh, you, you know, had been sort of up and down. I'll, I'll look up the under here while you guys are talking. I'm guessing with 47 total points scored that they, that they, uh, they that uh, I don't think that it would have been over. Do you? Um, I would guess, I would guess like 46 would have been like the over under. Is Temple Temple's offense was they're bad. Yeah, they're, they're bad. They're bad all the way around. Well, Temple got back into the game on just a really unfortunate situation. Um, Mikel Haywood, who's been very good as both the slot back and a kickoff returner made an inexplicable decision. He did not field the kickoff. He, I don't, he, he did like a punt returner who waves and says, just let it fall. But you can't, you can't let that happen on the kickoff and the ball landed and stopped in the one yard line. And he had to hustle over there, pick it up. And he ended up getting swarmed under at the five yard line. So maybe, you know, they get the ball to start the second half. You want to have a good drive to open the second half. And instead, you start from the five-yard line, and it gets worse from there. Uh, Xavier made a really poor decision. He uh, he just wasn't aware of what, what was happening. He was a pitch. He made a pitch in which the defender was between him and his pitch man, and the guy easily batted the ball down. And not only did he bat the ball down, but then he recovered it in the end zone. It's like, wow, you get the ball to start the second half, and two plays later – They've scored a touchdown and cut into your 13 up the lead. It's now 13 to seven. And, you know, this game ended up being tied up. But Temple got a field goal late to tie the score 2020, which I just almost could not believe that it was going overtime. They could, they could have scored in that, that long play as well, though. It could have been real. It could have, we could have lost that game real quick. Oh, yeah. Navy could easily have lost to regulation. They had a 40 yard pass play and got to the five yard line. So they had first and goal from the five and the defense thankfully rose up and held Temple to a field goal. It's almost hard to believe that Temple did not score a touchdown when they had first and goal from the five. But Keenan, I want to go back to that play because I saw, you know, they say they're going to run more triple with Xavier and he does bring a perimeter threat, which we saw on the touchdown run, some quickness, some speed, uh, you know, take it to the house ability. But I saw two really poor pitches. One time, he should have cut the ball up and run it himself, and he pitched to a, a to slot back who had a defender all over him. And that was Vincent Terrell, and he just held up his hands like, well, what are you doing? And then the, the pitch that led to the touchdown, the defensive touchdown from Temple, should never have been thrown. And I'm not sure why they're running a pitch play on your backed up on your own goal line like that. But your thoughts on uh, what you saw out of uh, Xavier and his skill set and what we could see going forward. So interesting fact to share. Temple, my junior year, the exact same thing happened to me. Uh, got the ball knocked down, um, and they scored a touchdown. So I, I think that uh, seeing that kind of brought back some some traumatic memories. But <laughs> nonetheless, uh, that is a you got to get downhill. Like the 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 the, the uh, antidote, I should say, for those types of problems is get your butt downhill. I think there's been way too much. They're way too timid on the perimeter at quarterback running the triple. They're just kind of, you know, pacing down the line. They're looking to pitch the ball. Like, no, get your butt downhill, hit it, make them tackle you, 
And it makes pitching the ball that much easier because once they come, they commit earlier and you can deal it cleaner. But if you're just kind of trotting parallel to the line and you let them slow pay you, they can jump out and knock something down. They can do a whole bunch of things. So the, the, it's a simple solution to it. And I know Coach Jasper is is definitely, uh, you know, letting Xavier hear it. But uh, got to get down, you know, got to attack and use his speed and quickness um, in a way that, you know, he has that ability that, that um, Ty didn't have. So. He's got to lean into that, and that's how you fix that. Um, I'm more concerned about the passing, though. I mean, I, I think those things are, are easily correctable. I'm more concerned about our ability to pass going forward. Yeah, well, there's no doubt this passing is not Xavier's strength during the times that he started in the past, and he has starts under his belt, so he's not just some brand-new quarterback out of nowhere. He's got experience, but he has not, to date, shown much passing ability. I'm going to bring Chris in, maybe talk, ask guys a few things, but, I mean, Chris, as a fan – I mean, I think your overall thought on the Navy offense with the 10 possessions with no first down was yuck. Yeah, I was worried. I mean, we were texting back and forth. Um, You know, Warner kind of grew up as the game went on. At least it felt like he did. I mean, he looked terrible in the beginning. And then, I mean, he he really seemed to get a little bit more confident, especially as it gave him a pocket. So, uh when they were, you know, scoring points and we weren't, you know, series after series, it, it was a little nerve wracking. I do have a, uh, a couple questions for Keenan and Eric in terms of, you know, what does this week look like for, for X, um, you know, uh, going from the backup to, um, you know, the guy. And I think it's a little different when you become the guy and, you know, as a result of an injury, right? So it's not like a competition where the other guy's breathing over your shoulder. I mean, how, how does he make this his offense or did he already do that um, by playing, you know, three quarters uh, on Saturday? Yeah. So the, the unique thing about the way we prepare week in and week out is we always run two huddles and those huddles get the, the, the same amount of reps um, and they run the same plays against the same looks. So this entire season, he's been prepping um, as if he was playing. Um, and that's just kind of how we, we function uh, with, with our offensive preparation under Coach Jasper. So I think that that won't change. I think knowing that you're the guy and you don't really have to look over your shoulder, because um, I think in the past when he's been the guy, he's had to look over his shoulder. Like there's a, there's a sense of comfort that comes with that and you can kind of play freer. Um, so I'm hoping that that mentality will – uh, will show up as like, you know, higher level of play going forward. Eric, how about for you as a fullback? Um, the same thing. I mean, you're used to getting, uh, you know, again, I mean, he, he, he gave handoffs for three quarters, but I mean, anything different for, you know, the, uh, the, the fullback or, you know, the, the other backs as they get used to, you know, X being the guy. Yeah, of course. You know, every time you change a, a skill position, especially quarterback, that mesh uh, changes, you know, he might be a little higher than Ty is, or he might get the ball back farther than Ty does to get more of a mesh point. Um, but, you know, these guys, uh, they have a buzzsaw coming up with a schedule. Um, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, UCF. Uh, these next three weeks are going to be very, very tough for these guys. So hopefully uh, they rally around, um, you know, Ty, uh, you know, getting hurt and then, you know, X stepping up and r- rally around him. Um, it was great win on senior day. Uh, that's always good seeing that. Uh, but you know, these next three weeks are going to be, if they get win, you know, one or two of these, you know, that's, that's, that's for me, that that's a huge win. So 
Notre Dame's not ranked, are they? No, they're, they're not. Although they had a nice win uh, this weekend uh, and Cincinnati had a tough loss to UCF. So uh, yeah, that kind of yeah. throws some, you know, a little bit of turbulence, but you're right. All three of those games are going to be really tough. Yeah. I know, I know Notre Dame should be ranked, but you know, I think Notre Dame has won something like five in a row since I don't know. They they're they have righted the ship after suffering some early losses. Obviously, their loss to Marshall was confounding, but they've righted the ship. I expect Notre Dame to be Notre Dame. Um, in terms of uh, there was one good drive under Xavier. Uh, Navy drove fifty six yards on twelve plays. That was a nice drive that showed a mixture of. Slot back pitch, fullback dive, quarterback keep. And the touchdown was scored on a very nice run by Anton Hall Jr., who had kind of been banished uh, with the because of the fumbles. And he was uh, you know, brought back and played well. I mean, we that, that that's a shame. The kid could run. I mean, he's a nice runner. He just the the fumbles is basically he had to prove himself again and kind of he fell to number three on the depth chart and had. He didn't even play in the Houston game, not, not at all. But uh, you, it's interesting, Chris did mention a good question because Xavier and the fullback ran into each other on a play. Did you remember that one? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure what happened with that one. It's, it's, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it seems like every week we talk about it, it's just been a kind of inconsistent play. You know, there hasn't been really, you know, you know, one full game that we've been like, wow, like these guys are, you know, they, they've showed up to where they, sh- they should be playing. Um, so hopefully they finish the season strong. So, Keenan, I'll give you the last word. I mean, it's fits and starts, stops and starts for the offense. They have a great performance against Tulsa. Then they follow that with a fairly solid performance against SMU, but the defense let down as a lot. But, I mean, I was disappointed with what I saw against Temple. Um, And, again, credit to Temple for playing tough defense. They dominated the point of attack, I can tell you that. Navy offensive line got whooped quite a bit. Um, but I mean, Navy's going to have to score up in the range of 30 points to beat Cincinnati, Notre Dame and central Florida. That's just that. So those are very powerful offenses. You're, it's going to be, be, be amazing if Navy could hold any of those teams below 28 points. So where are you at with the offense? This might be a, a bit of a, a different take, but honestly, I think trying to like pontificate on like, things that they should or shouldn't do or like things that I wish they did. I, I've kind of got to a point where I feel like as long as they win, I'm happy. And I really don't care uh, what it looks like. It's because it's, it's at this, at this point in the season, like you got your offense, you got your players who you're, who you're using at this point, it's just like, how do we get wins? Right. So who cares if, if it's one pass or 10 passes or 20 passes or 80 runs, or we got 200 yards of offense, like, because we've shown that we can be explosive and we've shown that we can be pretty anemic on offense. So I think that con- inconsistency has kind of been the theme on offense. And I think that that's probably, that probably will continue, um, especially losing your starter. However, as long as they can find enough consistency to, to pull out wins, I think that uh, they'll be successful. Well, it's a, no, a tough stretch between now and Army. Uh, as mentioned, uh, on the road at Cincinnati, Neutral site game against Notre Dame at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore on the road at Central Florida. Cincinnati and Central Florida are right at the top of the standings in the American Athletic Conference. I mean, those are two teams battling to be in the championship game. 
So uh, it's going to be a tough go over the next three weeks. Uh, I'd really love to see Navy somehow steal one of these. I mean, get to four wins, and then if you can beat Army, you're at five wins, and that's a much more, you know, to me, a much more respectable season. Five and sevens just seems so much different than four and eight to me. Um, that's it for the Navy football postgame report. I want to thank Eric Tani and Keenan Reynolds for their always excellent expertise. Chris Cervello, our producer, excellent to have him on. We will be back toward the end of next week with a preview of the Cincinnati game. Until then, I'm Bill Wagner. Thank you very much for listening. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.